Uh, welcome back, everyone, to The Envelope, please. Yes, thank you for joining us. That was an unusual intro. We weren't asking for uh, The Envelope. And why aren't we doing that? Because I don't want your envelope. Not no, yet. <laughs> not yet. So not this, yet. Is, this is a big year for us. We are, we've made it to 1939, which is supposed to be the greatest, the greatest year. year in Hollywood. The golden year of Hollywood. So this which is, is going to be... Yeah, go ahead. Well, let me just explain. Please do. Um, there are lots of debates about like what year the, mo- the best movies came out. And I'm sure... Um, like I, somebody was saying 1999 the other day, mm. uh, 1976 is a really good year. 76 is a good year. Um, there's lots of great years, but the, the reason that they talk about 1939 being the great year, um, is because at, uh, it, this was like the culmination of the studio system before, uh, the government got involved in the late 1940s and started breaking up the big studios as monopolies um, it's before World War II, changes a lot about how Hollywood operates, and, you know, a bunch of the famous actors on their roster end up going to war. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this kind of the build-up, and we're getting over the Depression in 1939, mm-hmm. things are starting to turn into the Depression. This is a build-up of how the studio system operated in 1939, shows how these machines that were studios... Um, could turn out high quality product and this year has just been continually seen as the best example of what the studio system could do. Definitely. It's like the year and the example of how the studio system was like firing off on all cylinders. Everything was just coming into place and it's produced these amazing movies. And ten, ten, ten of them. And this is the year, too, where a lot of people say, you know, had Gone with the Wind not been in this year, any of the other nominees could have a case for winning Best Picture. And, and so we're going to cover the nominees separately. We sure are. So this is going to be a two-parter. This week's episode will be completely devoted to just the nominated films in 1939. Yes. And then you... next week, yes. we will cover... All about Gone with the Wind. We will do an entire episode just devoted to that and yes. Rance's undevoted love to that movie. I mean, <laughs> I will I will argue my case for TWTW. And boy, I can't wait. There you go. TWTW, got it. Even though it's the same number of syllables as Gone with the Wind, we still... It's saving no time. It's saving no time at all. So what we're going to do is we're going to go... Yes. Go alphabetically through oh, the nominees. I love that. I, oh, I think yep. I'm in which is how it's, it's listed on my end. That's so how it's that's listed on my the end. Easiest way to do this, um, and uh, we'll talk about each one uh, and discuss whether or not like well, let's just try to figure out what we think should have won had Gone with the Wind not won. I love that. Cool. All right, we can break this down. Um, so let's do it. Let's do it. First up, we've got ooh, we've got Dark Victory. Dark. Victory. Starring Betty Davis. Uh, Dark Victory is yes. about uh, Betty Davis, who plays an heiress who's just a big old socialite, mm-hmm. um, just gallivanting through life when she gets a brain tumor. And uh, that brain tumor has to be operated on by George Brent, who is the actor equivalent of wallpaper. And... <laughs> 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 Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, no offense to any relatives of George Brown who might be listening to this. I mean, he's fine. He's just, I mean, he's, he's clearly... serviceable, but like... I mean, like, everybody is set dressing in a Betty Davis movie. And that's, yeah, that's the thing about it. <laughs> Um, except for, well, I mean, Henry Fonda was in, in Jazz of Elements, but there are exceptions to that rule. There are rule. exceptions to the rule, but not this film. This film belongs to Betty Davis. This is, this is, uh, the whole movie is essentially constructed, um, I mean, should we give a spoiler about what happens? We, yeah, we'll give a spoiler. Business? You know, it's been, oh my Big God, spoiler. what, 40, 50, 60, Skip 70, 80, 90, minutes. It's been... 80 years. It's 80, 80 years. It's been a long time. <laughs> and I don't think hearing the spoiler would hurt your enjoyment of the movie, but no. I will say, skip ahead a few moments if you don't want to hear it. Okay. Um, Betty Davis dies at the end of the film. She does. She ends up marrying her doctor, George Brent. Uh, and then she comes to terms with the fact that she's dying, and she has a very beautiful death scene. She does. Um, so, the movie... Is uh, is it's an acting movie? It's definitely it's a performance movie through and through. You're watching for Betty Davis, you know, uh, and I will say it's one of her better performances. I was really moved by it, and what kind of drew me to the film was um, after watching documentaries on Betty Davis and all that good stuff. She pretty much said this was the one movie that she can watch and actually tolerate her own performance. <laughs> she likes this one the best, so I was curious. To watch it, to see the performance that Betty Davis says herself, is her favorite of her performances. Well, I will say, uh, we we will be talking a lot about Betty Davis's performances to come, and I, I in the next decade in particular, mm. we hit lots of Betty Davis movies that are also nominated for Best Picture, yes. that will definitely be in the conversation, um, one of which wins Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, I think... Three or four movies um, that maybe even I, I can I can think of several movies that I would probably put ahead of this as terms of performance goes. As, yeah, for like your personal taste. But yes, I will say of her movies that aren't character parts. Yeah, you know because when we get to the Little Foxes, and yes, very like stylized performances. You yes, know, they're this one's this one's definitely her most. Like, They're more transformation. grounded in realism, yes. Like, yes. this person would exist, this could happen. Well, it's not even that the people, the other people wouldn't exist. Because, I mean, like, her, uh, I think Margot Channing could exist, I think. Yes. I think her characters in Now Voyager and The Letter, I mean, like, those aren't that far off. It's just, like, this one is more of her just... It's, like, probably close to who she was as a person. Right. I don't know. Well, uh, totally. Even, like, with her going to live on the farm at the end of the movie, it's, like, it's well, she, definitely her. <laughs> she Betty. did that her whole life. She always wanted to get back to England. Absolutely. New England, not England. Yes. And what what's really wonderful to see in this movie is, and I, I talked to you about this when I was watching, because I just recently watched this movie for the first time, and it really does all come into that final scene where mm-hmm. she knows she's about to die and she has to convince the doctor that she's fine, so that he will leave and continue his career. Yes, it's there's this, a scene, he has to make a certain convention or something. Yes, and, a doctor and convention. A doctor convention. If he doesn't go there, it could set back his medical research. And Correct. So it's all very, it's all very convoluted, but... It gives her this opportunity to pretend that she isn't going blind uh-huh. because the the thing she's been told the, the beauty of movie cancer 
is that she's been told you get a warning <laughs> that she's gonna start going blind right before she right before she dies, which is apparently how brain cancer works. I guess that's how it works in the movie. <laughs> um, Good to know. But like she does when she realizes she's going blind, when she pretends to not be blind, mm-hmm. it's all beautiful. It's wonderful. It's really great. Definitely warrants a best actress nomination. If our category was only, you know, if the Best Picture nominees were only limited to five movies, I don't think this movie makes this the probably cut. Doesn't, this probably doesn't make the cut. I mean, we can look at the Best Director nominations and kind of figure that one out. Yes. But um, but I will say, as far as Betty goes, this in a different year, this might have been her third Oscar. It might have. And a lot of people thought this was going to be her next Oscar. You know, when back in 1939, she was fresh off a win for Jezebel just the year before. And then she delivers... Another. Uh, another role is sort of similar in the fact that she like has to sacrifice something for herself to save another person. You know, it's very it's a kind of similar. Yes. Um. Uh. What's the word? Uh, not as not as overtly bitchy as she is in. Definitely. Role, definitely. Yes. 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 Yeah, that's very true. She has friends. She has a, a <laughs> she female friend. Friends. Yes. In this movie, she definitely doesn't have a female friend in Jezebel. Definitely true. Yes. <laughs> um, so I can see where it's, it's a similar role in performance, and I think, to me, it's a bit more watchable than Jezebel. I do prefer yeah. this movie to Jezebel. Well, you don't have um, any... You don't have any uh, like, Jezebel also has certain racism issues. That's very true. And yes, this one is... This one just has an awkward Humphrey Bogart. That's about it. Oh, yeah, Humphrey Bogart's <laughs> in this movie. I completely forgot to He has, like, this stable hand, and he has this, this is very... This anyone knew what to do with him. It's this very, like, weird and brooding scene that I feel like was very wrong for Humphrey Bogart when they're in the the saddle room He's together. Too. Yeah. I just feel like it's a role that maybe belonged to, like, you know, a young Montgomery Clift or something, something more in that vein. Or maybe... Yeah, no. You know what I mean? Just It just was a little awkward. It seemed like it was, like, her trying to talk to, like, a sexually frustrated uncle, you know? You know, it, it does feel it's like that. It's a little weird. And I feel like us knowing who, uh, knowing what Humphrey Bogart does later makes it even harder. Yeah. Um, because we're watching him and it's so out of what he should be doing. Yes. And we know what he should be doing. Definitely. Because we've seen it. But Warner Brothers had him under contract and really just kind of didn't know what to do with him for a few years. Absolutely. So, so we um, have this gentleman performance. Yes. Ronald Reagan is And Ronald Reagan is in this. And I will say, he plays drunk very well. That's about all he does in this movie. Um, He's just there's drunk. a quote I heard of Betty Davis's when they, she talked about Ronald Reagan later, after he became governor of California. Work. Um, where she described him in this movie as, oh yes, little Ronnie. He played the guy who doesn't get the girl. And then she paused and said... And politically, he still doesn't get the girl. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Oh, man. Um, I live for Betty Davis. She's Betty amazing. Betty Davis is just amazing. So, Dark Victory. Best actress. Watch. Definitely warranted. Um, not a Best Picture winner by any stretch. Potentially Best Actress in a different year. Yes. Um, but Betty is about to have a run. She's about to have... She's started. Yeah, Jezebel in 38 is the start of her. We got three more nominations in a row. And five more nominations total. Oh, and some good ones are coming. Uh, no, six more nominations So Yeah. Um, so we got a lot of good ones uh, coming up. And speaking of Best Actress runs... Yep, here we go. Our <laughs> next Best Picture nominee... Ooh, <laughs> get a little squeaky there. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Chips is next. Uh, or if you want to... There is a comma, so maybe we should say goodbye... 
Mr. <laughs> Chips. Probably <laughs> because they say that line a thousand times in this movie. But no one says it better than Greer. Garson That's very does. true. Yes, okay. Um, this, so let's talk about the, what's, what is the movie. Okay, so the movie is about... So Robert Donay, mm-hmm. who plays Mr. Chips. Uh, Mr. Chipping, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, it covers... Chips for short. Chips for short. It, it basically is a whole flashback movie where you see him, a very elderly man, yes. uh, coming to the end of his life, and he looks back on his time spent at this school where he was a teacher, then became a headmaster. Uh, basically, he devoted his life to teaching students and he's yeah. realizing now you know in the end of his life what that has meant for him and along the way you see him develop relationships with the other school teachers a lot of the children including um one of the german teacher at the school who yes. is from austria yeah so we're and getting a lot of like pre-world war ii storylines paul henry paul henry yes who um uh, would this movie was shot in england because mgm had a british branch at the time um, but, uh, that shut down during the war, so this is one of the last things to come mm-hmm. out of that MGM, uh, studio, but, uh, Paul Henry would eventually come over here and be under contract at Warner Brothers, and he would be in Casablanca, oh. and now Voyager, among many other movies. And it's great, this is a really fun movie to watch, because at the very end of the film, as, uh, Professor Chipping is getting very old, you see England um, at the very beginning of World War II and what it was like with him being a teacher with the bombing happening out there and trying World to War keep I. World War thank you, yeah, World yeah. War One. Uh, trying to keep these kids engaged during, you know, these airstrikes mm-hmm. and whatnot. So it's kind of a um, like a haunting echo of what's gonna happen with our World War Two films in the next couple of years. And keep in Especially mind... Especially the best picture winners like Mrs. Miniver, which is coming up very soon. While the U.S. is still not in the war for a couple of years, keep in mind, like, when this Oscar ceremony happened, uh, it had been a few months, just a few months since World War Two actually started. Started, since yeah. Invaded, since, yep. Germany invaded Poland, so... Yep. Um, it was very... So you can really understand the state of America at this time, and seeing this movie, especially coming from Britain, it's like, oh, wow, we are... It is a very much a movie of its time, mm-hmm. you know, and is very um, effective. And this is also something that we saw a lot of um, earlier in the 30s, where you have this movie that takes place over a span. Yes. This is like 60 years. It's a long um, time. Because he's to their makeup department. And, what, I mean, like, he, Robert Donay won uh, Best actor, actor, yes. And I have to say, he's up against some really big heavy hitters that we're going to get really to. He really is. I, I, yeah, I have feelings about this. We're going to get to four of the five nominees in our Best Picture nominations. We and we'll get to all of the Best Actors nominee, nominees. Oh, we will, yeah. Um, the only acting nominee for Best Actor or Actress who was not nominated, uh, th- that's not in a Best Picture nomination is uh, Mickey Rooney and Babes in Arms. <laughs> which, well, there you go. Which Looked is like 18 at the time, too. He was so young in that movie. He was. He was. It's also like, uh, it's a weird nomination because, I mean, he's always a force of nature in whatever he's in. He's always yes. fantastic. It's just definitely. It's just like, it's, a, it's very much, I've seen it. And Babes in Arms is like, it's cotton candy. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, that's what he was doing. And I think the Academy gave him the nomination to recognize all the hard work he's been doing. His and he was a huge child. Star. Like, he was a 
huge. Definitely, star. definitely. He so invented the nomination. He was renamed King and Queen of Hollywood in '39 because they used to name kings and queens they every did. year. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And him, him and Betty Davis. Oh, I love that. And they both got nominations this year. That's so fun. Um. Anyway, sorry. That was a total sidebar. All good. Um. He, uh, Robert Donay in Goodbye, Mr. Chips, ages from his like twenties to his eighties, mm-hmm. and I, I have to say, like, this is some of the best makeup. It is. It's phenomenal. And it, you can't... I don't want to like give it just to the makeup department either because his performance is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But we'll see it happen again time and time again. I mean... It's hard to say whether or not he's the winning best. an Oscar for the Iron Lady had a lot to do with yeah. the makeup department. <laughs> that I mean, <laughs> a like, lot. And it certainly helps the actor probably get into... It does. And he gives an amazing performance. His arc in this film is so fun because he starts off as this very timid, um, scared, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, young teacher who lets these children walk all over him. Very shy. And he doesn't really open up until he meets Greer Garson's character. Now, Greer Garson, this is her film debut. What a debut. And can we just say she has, we'll get to another great opening shot a little later, but, um, when she, uh, Robert Donay, uh, Mr. Ships yes. is off uh, on a vacation. Summer holiday. Summer holiday yes. with uh, his Paul Henry. And he's out by himself hiking in the mountains and he hears somebody and he, he says, hello there, or whatever. Yes. And then she's like, I'm right here. <laughs> That's exactly how it goes, yeah. And then she's just, and then it's just this shot, this close up of Greer Garson that pulls into her face. Mm hmm. Out of the mist. Yes, the mist, like, reveals this beautiful woman sitting on a rock high atop a mountain. And she says something <laughs> like, hello there, or something yes, like that. Yes, and it's like, oh, what an entrance. And, it's and like, she takes over the movie. And she does. And she's about to be, excuse me, she's about to have, like, one of the best ten years of any actress ever. So definitely, um, she yeah she is a force in this movie, and she pulls Mr. Chips. She is great. Yes, out of this shy and timid way of life that he's had, and uh, he's able to like see the beauty in the world, and he comes into his own, and then she dies. She's okay, literally we, there. We should min- She comes in like forty plus minutes yes. into the movie, and she dies with like 40 minutes yes she's literally in the middle of the film for only like 20-30 minutes right in the middle that's about it and it's interesting I mean like she her presence is felt throughout the rest of the movie Mm -hmm. for sure yes um but she is not throughout the movie and there I mean like I was mentioning to you like um because you have Gone with the Wind in in the supporting category I mean like Hattie McDaniel and and Olivia de Havilland, who are both nominated for supporting, probably have much larger roles than Greer Garson does in this movie. Much larger. Um, and so it's it's interesting. It's a little bit of category. She feels like she should be a best supporting actress. Absolutely, she should. But then it's like we have to argue. Then also in like. We have examples, for example, Nicole Kidman winning for The Hours in 2002. She's only on screen for like 25 minutes as well. Yeah. You know, or Anthony Hopkins she does, in Silence feel, of the Lambs, about 25 minutes there too. I mean, she is the female lead in this movie. Exactly. That's where it's like, what do we, what constitutes category fraud? Is it screen time? But she's not in the movie probably any more than Paul Henry is. No, totally. And you that's know. the thing where I, I do fully believe that she belongs in Best Supporting Actress. 
Um, yes. That would be where I would place her. And we're going to actually it's the get confusing because to... she is, as you said, technically the yeah. female lead in this movie. But in terms of category, I wouldn't put her as the lead. This might, that was the same no, problem I, I had with Olivia Coleman winning lead actress for um, The Favorites, where I kind of play more into the screen time way of delineating that, where is. she has less screen time than uh, Rachel Wise and Emma Stone. Emma Stone. They're in supporting. You know, where I would have pushed Rachel Wise into lead well, actress. Meryl, that happened with Meryl on August Osage County, mm-hmm. too, because... Meryl has a smaller role than Julia Roberts does. And they swapped it, you know? Um, so it's, it is, it's just very curious to me, like, where and how these people get placed into the categories they are. But then for a performance like, um, uh, we're talking about uh, The Reader in 2008, where um, she, Kate Winslet, submitted in Supporting Actress, um, but they ended up being like, that's not correct, you need to be in the lead. So they put her in the lead, and she ended up winning Lead Actress, um, but it's strange to me how this plays out and what the Academy will allow and won't allow, depending on the year. Um, yes. Uh, well, I mean, we could talk about category fraud. For we could. We have an entire episode. I think we're going to get to a couple of, uh, I, I have some alternate suggestions for best actress as we go on. Love that. So, so would you, would you, if there were like, you know, a top five nominees for best picture, would you put Mr. Chips into your top five? Yes, I would. Yes, I would too. Um, 100%. I also, I also feel like it's it's worth noting that the director of this one, Sam Wood, is the director who was brought in to replace Victor Fleming whenever Victor Fleming had a nervous breakdown on the Come of the Wind. <laughs> and Victor Jesus. Fleming had already replaced George Cukor. Uh, um, sure did. Uh, but Sam Wood, but Victor Fleming came back, and then they split the workload between Sam Wood and Victor Fleming to finish Gone with the Wind. Mm. Um, oh, what so, which is, which is well, good crazy. for him. So he's, so he deserves a nominate and considering Peter yes. Fleming was the only one credited with Gone with the Wind. I feel like Sam Wood deserves the nomination as much yes. for Goodbye Mr. Chips as his work on the movie that ends up winning best. Definitely. Movie. I agree. It's a wonderful movie. It's delightful. I really, it's a, it's a good feel good movie. I mean, know? like I like it better than most of the movies that have won best pictures so far in the last decade. Very so, true. Yes. Um, I would put it over Life of Emile Sola. I would put it over Sigfield, I would put it over. I would put it over. You can't take it with I you. Put it over I would. You can't take it with you. Yes, I if agree. It, this had been in a, one of the last few years before this one, you know. Yeah, it's it's definitely high up there. It's a wonderful film. Um, love affair. Moving along, next. love uh, affair. Another nomination for best actress as well. Yes, Irene um, Dunn sneaks into the category again. I mean, um, okay. This, okay, knowing that this movie obviously stems from, this is the original in Affair to Remember. Yes. Um, it was interesting to watch it. I'd never seen it before. I watched it a couple of nights ago. It's very similar to an Affair to Remember. It is literally the same thing. It's, which makes me a little bit more frustrated at an Affair to Remember. It's like, wow, you guys didn't really do anything different. But it's funny, because an Affair to Remember is the better remembered of the two. It is a better, and I wonder if that's just because, like, at that time, you know, Deborah Carr and, um... Or maybe it's inclusion in Cary Grant. Seattle, but... Totally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, their star power for that movie when it came out... Was huge. Was huge. And, and made the film huge. Irene Dunn and Charles Boyer have not been as huge. Definitely not. But, I... Taking this film on its own... On its own, yes. You're right. Um, pretending and fair to remember doesn't exist... Yes. Because it didn't. Because <laughs> it didn't at this point. This um, it's the same director, too. Keep in mind. Is it really? Leo McCary, yeah. He uh, did the, the Deborah Carr version? Well. Oh, yeah. my God. He made his own movie. 
Um, he got lazy, didn't he? That's <laughs> <laughs> a little judgmental. Same script. Whatever. Um, um, so they okay. had some singing in the in the. Uh, oh, listen. There's some singing in this one there's too. There's singing in this one too. And well, I mean, Irene Dunn could sing. She could sing. Yes. It's a very operatic. Voice. It's very operatic, and See, it caught it me a little off guard. You have to like just kind of go with it and be on board with it. Yes. Um, okay, this movie. I, I enjoyed it. It's not one of my favorites Maybe. that I have seen by any means. Um, and I think... Uh, I'm trying to wrap my brain around what it is that's, that like kind of pulls me out of this film a little bit. And I think it's just because I can't put myself in her mindset of when she gets hit by the car, doesn't make it to the Empire State Building because she's paralyzed. Why in her brain she's she's like chooses that moment to be prideful and is like, I don't want him to know. Like, bitch, tell him! You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I can't, I I don't wrap my head, I can't wrap my head around that Maybe plot device. it's also, it's also something to do with timing as well, thinking about, like, um, what being disabled meant at this point in time as opposed to what it means now. There was, there was less accessibility there true. Was, it was, it's like more. It was more of a. It was more hindrance. of a and a burden. Yeah. I guess that's so. true. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah, she didn't want to be a burden to him, especially since say you know had only had one brief affair. She's like, well, I just don't really know this man totally well. I can't. Don't want to put that. They want to put yeah, this they, on they, him. They, they hadn't seen each other in a while. True. I guess I can see that. Yeah, and I will say the oh, ending. Can we explain what this movie is about. Oh, an affair to remember. <laughs> That's the plot of the movie. I mean, so yes, two people meet on a boat, and they both engaged are other people. Yes, they fall in love. They and agree to meet at the Empire State Building six months from when they depart the boat. And then Irene Dunn gets hit by a taxi cab. Can't make it there. Can't make it. And then six months later, they see each other at a theater. And but she's sitting down, so he doesn't know that she's mm -hmm. disabled. And then he comes to her apartment, which is a little creepy. He finds out where she lives. And then he realizes that yes. she's disabled, and they and fall in love. It's wonderful. Um, I will say, I love the last moment in the movie when he finally realizes, oh, God, she hasn't stood up for the last 45 minutes. She, she purchased, she must, there's something wrong here, and it clicks, and it's wonderful. So the ending um, moment is very sweet and touching. And, um, excuse me, and they're great. They're great. Uh, Irene Dunn is, I, I was telling you this when we did Cimarron, Irene, Irene Dunn's always... Wonderful. She delivers. She does. She um, and she can do it all. If if you guys ever have a chance to watch The Awful Truth or My Favorite Wife or any of the comedies she made, oh my god, yes. she's so funny. But um, but I think this is a I think because of the competition and this this is like I it was a it was a pleasure to be nominated. Definitely, <laughs> and that's the thing too. I can yes, I I agree with her nomination for lead actress. It's a it's a good performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I do not agree with is the supporting actress nomination in this movie. Oh yeah, she's uh, just like Maria Auspinskaya who gets nominated uh, many times for doing nothing. For doing slim to nothing, and this is where I just feel like you know maybe during this year, the Academy was still well. I guess that's not true, but I was like maybe the Academy thinks a supporting nomination is really like oh you've got five ten minutes of screen time you are a supporting actress, but that doesn't really equate to Gone with the Wind. And sometimes that happens later. Too. It does, yeah. But I I think that this may be an instance of somebody who was like really respected yeah. at the time because I think she had come from theater. Totally, and I mean she was a huge. Um, uh, acting coach as well. Yes. You know, she taught and a so lot. So she had that good faith of the voters, Definitely. probably, and that's how she 
slipped in. I mean, like, it's there just, are definitely, again, oof. I mean, like, if we're moving Greer to supporting, that's where yes, her Take her out. Yes. It's such a hammy performance. Like, she yes. spends the entire, her, what, scene in the movie mm-hmm. is basically her just, like, knowingly looking at them and, and crying and, like, oh, my God. It's, I just, a, it's a lot. I, yeah, I was not a fan. I think that scene did not work or play very well at all. I think it works better in the Deborah Carr version when she meets his uh, mother there, or grandmother. Um, I think that played a lot better. I think the... It's funny. I think the two movies are, are fairly equal, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a preference situation. Like, it's probably just whichever one, one you watch first is going to be the one you I end think up. You're right. Um, and maybe I just like it better in color. <laughs> I know. <laughs> maybe I just wanted color to this story. It does feel like a and color story. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is also... I think this is one of those movies that's hard to find a good copy of because it's in the public domain. Uh, it is, yes. And I will yeah. say, it does look like it was entirely filmed in a soundstage, yes. you know, and which it was. So it, it is very, like, boxy, you know. You know, the shots to of them fair, on the boat. Even though it is in widescreen, a fair to remember is pretty obviously stage-bound, too, because it has those. Uh, the ship yeah. is very, I, we're in a soundstage. Definitely. Um, definitely true. Yes. Anyway, it's still recommended, though. It's still definitely. A I do enjoy the movie. I really think she was great, and it's she deserves that nomination. But we're about to get to a big. Go. Oh God! But as far as like top five this year goes, no, I don't. No, it doesn't I can't make give it to it. No, it would. It would not warrant a best picture nomination. But. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Okay, let's get into this. <laughs> Here we go. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Um, wonderful. I it's I perfect. Cannot explain how much I love this movie uh, and how much this movie has stuck so with me since good. watching it. It's so good. So it's Frank wonderful. Capra. Yes. Um, Fresh off his third Oscar for best director, just the yes. year previous. So I mean, like he's clearly not going to win this year because they're not going to give it to him that many times. Definitely. But right. um, but he. It's a movie about uh, about uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart, mm-hmm. who's Mr. Smith. He goes to Washington. Uh, he's really naive. Very naive. Um, he's basically he's, been inducted as the new senator, along with Claude Rains, who has been a senator for years and years. Yes, and Claude Rains kind of takes him under his wings, mm-hmm. and then he tries to buck up against the system, um, and he has uh, help from Gene Arthur, who is his romantic interest and his helper, um, works for him, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And uh, and it's just like he decides to go up against the system. It's so relevant. So relevant to today, and he ends up uh, doing a filibuster, um, like over a day for over a day. And Jimmy Stewart's performance in that scene is just the stuff of legend. It's unreal. Yeah. It's wonderful because like you, uh, he, Jimmy Stewart's such a brilliant actor because yeah he is the everyman he is the common man but beyond that he a hundred percent he has that gift that screen mm-hmm. presence and gift yeah. of, of allowing us to see what he is feeling mm-hmm. every step of the way and there's that moment where he realizes that claude reigns is part of the problem and yeah. it just ruins everything for yeah. him the one guy he thought would be on his side, who's yeah. been his mentor and championed him to become this new senator, is one of the bad guys. And it's that so is so true, you know? It, yeah. it's, it's like seeing a person lose their innocence, you know? Because yeah. it happens, and that that's what happened to him. 
Oh my goodness, it's so good. It's so good and I will say right here and right now that it is an absolute travesty that Claude Rains did not win Best Supporting Actor. It oh. is a travesty. Because in is, my opinion, he he's great. He's phenomenal. He matches Jimmy Stewart every step of the way in this movie and even surpasses him when he... Um, like comes running into the Senate floor and basically accuses Jimmy, you know, these false accusations against Jimmy Stewart's character, saying he is uh, treason and all these things, and he's just lying out of his teeth. But he knows he has to lie, you know, to keep things going and operating. He, it's it's such a complex and layered performance, and it's so good. It just, oh my god, because I, you know, I just think it's unbelievable that he doesn't have an Oscar. I mean, like, and then watch this movie and be like, "Oh well, this was it. This, <laughs> this is, is it." You're gonna you're gonna feel this way probably whenever you watch Casablanca again. Too, totally, because that's I mean, the thing too. Because Claude Rains is always uh, it's so just it's, amazing. It's just almost embarrassing. It's like we had this wonderful opportunity to reward this performance, and it's so. I mean, in the end, when he realizes that he's been wrong and he tries to kill himself I mean, before running back in and saying. Take me to jail. I belong in jail. It's, you know, it's, it's... It's a hard moment to pull off, too, because that can is. come off cheesy. Exactly, but you still cheesy. care about him because you spent the first half of the movie seeing that he is this good guy. He's just been gotten to. Well, you know, I'm looking at the category and, and like, trying to, like, figure out how this... How that happened. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how did this happen? <laughs> but I, I'll, like, two things here. Oh, here we go, right, because we're going to get into the stagecoach in a moment. Go ahead. Harry Carey. <laughs> okay. uh, great name. Uh, was the president of the Senate. And he does slims and nothing in this movie, he first does. of all. Another, like, character actor who probably got the nomination. Definitely. I would um, say he's not enjoyable in this movie because he is that very all-knowing president of the Senate who has those looks where he's like... He's always great. Totally, you know? So I get it. Not necessarily Academy-worthy, but okay. But a lot of times when there's two nominations from the same movie, sometimes that can be a vote split. It can be. Um, Thomas Mitchell... Was also in Gone with the Wind. He's also in Mr. <laughs> Smith Goes to Washington. He uh, he won for Stagecoach. He's also in a movie called Only Angels Have Wings this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a heavy supporting part in all of these movies, and he's very good in all of those movies. Yes. Um, I think Thomas Mitchell probably won less because of Stagecoach specifically mm-hmm. and more because of how well he had done that whole year. Definitely. He was, he was probably in, of the great movies made in 1939, he's probably in the most of the great movies right. made in 1939. Definitely. He, and he's also a phenomenal character actor he's as well. Great. It just breaks my heart a little bit to see a better, more resonant performance not win. Well, honestly, you know? having seen Stagecoach and Gone with the Wind and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington mm-hmm. and only, having seen the movies he made that year, um, I'm kind of surprised that his nomination wasn't for Gone with the Wind. Definitely. You know? Yes, and we, yeah, totally. So, okay, here's, here's, I will also say too, so we'll get into Stagecoach in a minute. Um, I want to hear your thoughts about that. But also, um, this movie introduced me to Jean Arthur. I have not really had oh, a lot. Honey, of, she's amazing. First of all, her voice is so... Well, she's so, a, you can't take it with you. She, oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah. And this has like, further been like, wow, I really adore her. 
Uh, I adore her voice. I love how she sounds, and I think this movie is so fun. Like, there's that really playful scene with her and Thomas Mitchell when they get drunk, and they're yes. like, let's get oh, married. God. I was like, this is so friggin' funny. Do you, are you thinking alternative Best Actress nomination? Yeah. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> That's the thing, though. Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress? I don't know. I don't know. She has a bigger part than Peter Garson does. Definitely bigger than Peter Garson, Garson, Definitely. Um, I mean, she's great. I, in my opinion, I still think she supports Jimmy Stewart. Well, that's because she's his secretary. That's fine. And that's another, just... <laughs> I have two more alternatives coming out. Definitely. But she's a delight, and I really uh, love her in this movie. This movie is just so great. Oh my god, it's so good. Um, without so a doubt, deserves its best picture slot. I, I think that with, with Gone with the Wind Gone, this is probably the alternative. This is the alternative. I think so as well. Um, uh, which is shocking. Like, good for you, Frank Capra. I, I think... mean, he is just on fire. <laughs> he is. And I think this is like his greatest work up until this point. I will, oh God, God it happened one night. Um, no, I think this movie trumps that, just because I think this movie has more to say. It's a more important movie. It's very important. You and know? Washington didn't, was very scared about this movie, too. Oh, totally. Yeah, they, uh, I, I just watch it. I don't want to Watch it, yes. Just watch, watch it. It's so brilliant. And we so have, uh, we have another great movie coming up, uh, Ninochka. Ninochka. So this is funny. Two nights ago, I did a double feature, Love Affair and Ninochka. Um, so the second half was better than the first. The half. second half was better than the first, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Ninochka's really fun. I think this movie, I went into it not knowing pretty much anything about it. Because no. I, I just knew, you know, Billy Wilder, you knew Scripps, Ernst Lubitsch, yeah. I knew um, uh, Garbo. Um, Melvin Douglas? Which I didn't know, and he does not look like Melvin Douglas in this movie. Young Melvin Douglas does not look like old Melvin well, Douglas. Yeah, <laughs> Melvin Douglas was successful for like a really long time. And so he's long. the grandfather of Ileana Douglas, who ends up being in, uh, uh, she's in Cape Fear, the remake of Cape Fear. She's like the hooker girl. Oh! Yeah. Oh, interesting. She's in tons of stuff, you recognize her. Right, um, okay. Anyway. Uh, uh, so, okay, so yes, this movie really What's is it about? So, oh God, how do I even explain this movie? It's so bizarre. Okay, so like, here's the deal. The first 15 minutes of the movie is all very convoluted setup because you have to get to a point where you know Greta Garbo's character and Melvin Douglas's character to have their interactions actually be funny. Yes. You know, so basically the Russians have these very expensive jewels that belong to a Parisian empress who yes. wants them back. Yes. But they won't give them back. <laughs> so they have to send over so yes, um, age, like a Russian... Uh, Correspondent, essentially, yes. yes, who is Greta Garbo, who's who in charge of of making sure the jewels go back to Moscow. Yes. However, Melvin Douglas, who is the lawyer to this uh, Parisian empress, uh, is trying to get the jewels to stay in Paris. Yes. So those two meet, not knowing who they are and that they're antagonists with each other. And, and sort of develop a little bit of a crush. Some of the best dialogue ever when they meet because it he says so the thing. Um, <laughs> she's like trying to. She's like, she's okay. Greta Garbo comes in and she's like stereotypical stoic. Yes. Um, no nonsense. Doesn't smile. No emotion. Russian. It's yes. totally parodying Russian culture and, and parodying her own screen image as and well. Her own, and. My I say, she is so good in this. Hilarious. Especially compared to Grand Hotel. She is oh, like, yes. this is a great performance. Totally yes. on board with Best Actress nomination for this one. Yes. Um, she comes in and he, she's like looking for directions on a map. And um, I'm only, she's like, at Melvin Douglas points, is like, oh, here's, 
here I am and here you are and points next to each other and she looks up and says, must you flirt? <laughs> and, so good. and then he says, I find it natural and she goes, suppress it. <laughs> that is so true. That is genius. Yes. No, th- that's what we're okay. With this movie, I really, really feel like the writing shines above everything else. Oh, it's so good. And Do it, you know, it's, and it's so funny. When you have people who are talented... Uh, actor-wise, which there are plenty of... I mean, the supporting performances are fun in this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you give them a good script, you know? And you and Ernest Lubitsch is a good director. Definitely. So you, I, I, I don't think this is a Best Picture winner, but... No, not um, a Best Picture winner. It um, might not make the top five. I don't think it's top five for me, either. I, I, I will say it's probably the best comedy of the year. It is... Very funny. Very, very funny. And just so witty. Like, you don't, they don't really make movies like this anymore. And it's also, like, a huge commentary, like you said, on Russian um, communism. Yeah. And how she is changed by being introduced to this capitalist society and being introduced to what love feels like. She's like, oh, that's not good anymore. It's funny. After we enter the war a couple years later and we're allies for a couple years with the Soviets, this Mm -hmm. movie probably wouldn't have been made. Definitely, you know, it had to have been made when it was. It was, it was very of its time. Yeah, um, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those movies where you know you you really just fall into it. Once they start talking, they don't stop talking. It's great, and you just go along for the ride, and it's a lot of a lot of fun. It's it's so much fun. I highly Definitely, recommend it. Yes, Garbo don't go in best. thinking it's the best picture of nineteen thirty nine. No, go into it watching Garbo being hilarious and She's so funny. And that's what it is. The scenes between her and Melvin Douglas are the scenes that really jump off the page and come to life the most. But the, as a whole, it's a great movie. Tagline for the film was Garbo laughs because mm-hmm. she hadn't made a comedy before, and the moment where she does laugh. It is earned. It is it is, earned. it is a wonderful release. Yes, she, yes, he finally tames the shrew. Um, okay, so Of Mice and Men, a very famous story. Uh, it's directed by Lewis Milestone, who won uh, Best Director uh, a couple of times. A couple of times. Uh, including for All Quiet on the Western Front. Mice and Men, famous story about uh, two... Lenny. Lenny and... Um, uh, oh, shoot. I can't what remember. is his name? I can't... Um, George. George Lee and George. <laughs> is his name? God. Um, who in this movie are played by Burgess Meredith, who would go on to play the penguin in uh, Young and Young Burgess Meredith. Young oh Burgess my God. Meredith. I think the and first Burgess Meredith movie I was really introduced to was Grumpier Old No Grumpy like Old Rocky. Man. He's in Rocky. And Rocky yeah. where he's just this old man, you my know, first it's was like the penguin. He played the penguin on the TV oh, show Batman in the sixties. Interesting. And, and then he's old. Yeah, no. He basically looked young and then looked old. As soon as he hit thirty, he was like, now he's old. But, uh, and then Lon Chaney Jr., who would play monsters, Mm -hmm. um, and is the son of Lon Chaney, of course, uh, Man of a Thousand Faces, he he plays Lenny, this big, uh, uh, dim-witted, mentally impaired. Yes, uh, definitely on the spectrum. On the spectrum guy, and... uh, and basically, I mean, like, you read this in English class. George and yes, Lenny... everyone knows the story. ...end up in uh, this... They working work. on this, like, farm, and uh, something bad happens with the wife of the... The very flirtatious wife. The very flirtatious wife of the son of the owner. It's, Correct. Um, and 
Uh, it's a, a very great dramatic story. conclusion. A very yes. dramatic conclusion. It's a great story. Um, it's really amazing that this movie was made without significant alterations in 1939 because there are some things that kind of skirt the code. Definitely. Um, and it's. Uh, I, I don't. I, I mean, like it's it's a great movie. I uh, it wasn't one of the best director nominations. Um, it doesn't get any acting nominations. No and I think it's because it was a very handsomely mounted literary adaptation, which, as we've seen in yes. the years past, usually warrants a best picture nomination. Yes, and I definitely think it is a nominee. Um, I'm completely okay with that. Uh, this would be a great thing to watch in high school right after you read the book. Um, yes. it is, uh, it, it's not a top five for me. Right. Um, no. So and it's also a testament to the story that it tells that, like, you know, we still read and watch newer versions of this movie even today. You know, like when I was going through, oh, probably yeah, like freshman year of high school, we read this book and then we watched the even newer version with John Malkovich and Gary Sinise. So it's still being retold today. It's a great classic story. It, it'll um, always, yeah, it'll of, you know, of undying friendship. This is a hard movie to find, too. I ended up watching it on, like, this bootleg-ish looking version <laughs> on where do. the picture was jumping around on um, YouTube. Great. But anyway, speaking of, uh, I watched it bootleg. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's like the next podcast. I watched a bootleg of dot dot dot. We got Stagecoach. Stagecoach! Okay, this is a fun one. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> I have feelings about Stagecoach. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I understand that this is like the original throw all these different people together, they had to travel across a long way, and yes. shit happens along the way. I get that the, it seems very formulaic now because it is the original formula. I yeah. understand all that. With that being said, though, the performances in this movie are a lot to digest. Most specifically, Claire Trevor. I personally think she is quite terrible in this film. Okay. <laughs> I think she overacts so much that I'm just like, why wasn't she pulled back or reined in? Or maybe maybe that's what they were kind of going for. You know, it just, it's it's very awkward. I mean, like, I think her first line is literally, don't let them take me away from here! You know, it's just so much all at yeah. once. And then that match with Thomas Mitchell, who's doing a very funny, comedic role, it just, it, the levels just did not go together for me. And also John Wayne, like, ooh, we're going to talk about the introductions to Screen Legends, as we do with Greer Garson, he gets a great first shot, too, where the camera zooms in on him as he's riding in on a horse. He's you see flipping this. his gun around. Yes, this beautiful shot of his amazing, pretty face. However, he's not a very good actor in this movie. It's very clear that he is still developing this screen presence that he later fits into better. But I'm also a person who doesn't necessarily believe that John Wayne was ever a really great actor to begin with. I think what he brings is screen presence, yes, presence, which is great, but acting not so great. And I think that's well, why he wasn't this nominated. So it's... no, he wasn't. And it's like you know, in this movie where he's not really given a whole lot of dialogue, it really shows even more because it's you know we're we're looking at his face a lot, and his face isn't really doing anything. Yeah, you know. So that's where that comes into play. I will say, Thomas Mitchell is. So good in this movie. Yes, he is great, and this I mean, is I like I totally get. I totally. I mean, like I get it. it. It's if Claude Rains doesn't exist. Totally, and yeah. like I get it. Like, and this is and this is like the pinnacle, a Thomas Mitchell performance. You know, this drunk, lovable, older guy. And you he know? is in a lot of the movie. 
a, a lot, yes. And he's he's very funny and endearing. Mean, he's the heart that funny. holds this movie together. It's funny because the John Wayne is the lead. He's second build behind Claire Trevor. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is his breakout. But even as the lead, I, I mean, like, it's very ensemble. Very ensemble. Yeah. He's not... Yeah, I wouldn't particularly say anybody is the lead in this movie. They're no. all, as you just said, very... It's a very ensemble movie because they're all just trying to survive this stagecoach journey. And, you know, it's good. Um, it's and I, thrilling, yeah. I, it's thrilling. I get its, I get its Best Director nomination. I will say I have a lot of problems watching some of these Westerns, not just because they're so masculine, but also because the portrayal of... Um, of Native Americans is yes. always very problematic in these films. Very. I mean, yeah, they're portrayed as evil. a one-sided story. Very one-sided, and yes. I mean, that's the whole climax of the film is them having this epic shootout with this Indian tribe, you know? Yeah. Which you have to go like, well, from their perspective, you're taking their land. And yes. I... And so you look at it that way and it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to watch movies right now in this like this right now in this awakened time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Westerns that concentrate more heavily on the Native American conflict in particular are a little hard for me to... It's hard because it's also something they reference from the beginning of the movie. They're always talking about, oh, watch out for that tribe. They're yeah. going to get you. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, being told to us throughout the entire movie until the final, finally in the end you, you, know, you see the epic shootout. But yeah... They are the evil in this movie, you know, which doesn't play very well in our modern day and age. I think among John Ford movies, this isn't... I mean, like, next year we have Grapes of Wrath. Right. We get into Um, some more important movies. We get into some other films that I I think are better on. And also where you see his touch. I don't know. I feel like there are... There's nothing really cinematically specific about Stagecoach. Except for that shot. Of John Except for the shot of John Wayne, yes, that yeah. makes it. But the rest of it is just kind of like a director getting the movie done, you know. Yeah. Whereas you'll start to see different, you know, epic scope shots that John Ford likes to utilize in his later films. So it is, I understand it's like yeah, this is an earlier soldiers. work of his. It's also pre World War II um, in his uh, film canon. Which, I mean, Five came back. He's one of the yeah. So you know, he was very changed by World War II, which mm-hmm. also changed the way he made his movies. Yeah. And you can kind of see a director approaching a genre, playing with a genre that he's going to later master in years to come, Mm -hmm. but this isn't the best representation of what he can do with the Western movie. Yeah. You know? But I will say this is, it is delightful to watch for Thomas Mitchell. I love the scene where Thomas Mitchell finally, like, sobers up to deliver the baby, and you're like, oh, this is actually a great, he's a great person, he just prefers to be drunk most of the time. But when he needs to sober up to do something, he will do it. He helps the collective. He does, Um, so I did, I get it. Although this is one of those, like, pre-1950s pregnancy where the woman is not pregnant looking at all at all i was actually surprised when they said she was pregnant i was like wait what (laughs) here we go so the next nominee is the wizard of oz the wizard of oz i don't think you need a plot summary of this movie i'm pretty sure everybody has seen this movie if you haven't seen this movie then uh you i mean like why are you listening to this podcast what you should be doing right now even people who hate movies love this movie it's impossible not to like this movie you're always introduced as a kid it's a great fantasy it's so wonderful i mean like i don't even know would you give this movie any acting nominations i'm curious 
You know, I think that Judy is a reasonable substitute for best actress. For best actress. She is... So good. So good. You can understand her popularity and why she is who she is today. She carries this movie. She does win a juvenile Oscar this year, um, which were given out sporadically Mm -hmm. um, at the time. And she, I mean, her performance of Over the Rainbow on its own Uh, is... It's so wonderful. This is... Um, No, this movie absolutely is a best picture nominee for sure. It's definitely the top five. I mean, it's, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. And I would say that on the best directors of the year, I would replace John Ford with Mervyn Leroy. For yes! Wizard of Oz. Even though there were multiple directors on The Wizard of Oz as well. Similar <laughs> situation in Gone with the Wind yep. where they had several directors, including George Cukor and Victor Fleming. Oh, God. Um, not Mervyn Leroy. Victor Fleming was the one. Uh, Mervyn Leroy produced The Wizard of Oz. Um, Victor Fleming was the credited director for The Wizard of Oz. Yes. Um, and already getting a nomination. And I would give him a double. I would just give him a double nomination. Why not? I mean, he made two, arguably two of the greatest movies of all time. Both of them are in the top AFI top ten. Yeah, deservedly so. Um, Wizard of Oz is phenomenal. You know, it is everything all-time that classic. I just don't know what to say about it. Everything that could be said about The Wizard of Oz has already been said. It's, this is one of the reasons 1939 is 1939. Yeah, it's magic on screen, and it's so wonderful. It wasn't that successful upon release. Uh, it had a high production cost and did not make the budget back until some re-releases, but it became the endearing movie that it is largely because of annual television screenings mm-hmm. uh, starting in, I believe, the 50s. Yeah, and now um, we can really appreciate it. It's so great. If you, I mean, if you haven't seen beautiful. it, see it. It's beautiful. See it. It looks like a storybook in the it best does. possible way. It it's is. one of those movies, the thing I like about it is it doesn't try to not look like a storybook. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, it has it. some obviously, some very obviously stylized and fake sets. Definitely. You but can definitely you're tell in that a dream. You're yeah, absolutely you yeah. are. It, it all plays into it. It makes it sense. It feels like a dream. It's a very it's a great movie. <sighs> it's so it's, good. It's it's really uh, good. It's wonderful. Just watch it. It's I mean great. like <laughs> I don't like I don't know, it doesn't feel like best a best picture Because, like you you know you watch the Oz, you kinda of think of it as like a children's movie a little no. bit, you know? But and like, I don't know if that's a prejudice. Totally, but like you know, adults can get just as much out of this film as a child can. And I guess that's the thing. It's just universally beloved. It's so good. Yeah. I, I just, I, I love it. I it, love it too. It's magic. Um, okay. Right, so and let's get to our final nominee. Wuthering Heights. Wuthering Heights. Uh, <laughs> okay, famous, famous, famous novel. I'll quickly go summarize. Um, Heathcliff, Heathcliff and Kathy uh, are not, uh, they, Heathcliff is like a, a poor a street rat, street rat who comes <laughs> to live with uh, Kathy's family on the moors, and she's from a more uh, higher class family. They grow up together, um, and they fall in love, but she ends up marrying uh, more in her class, and he uh, still loves her yes. until her death. And her name is Kathy, and he's. Heathcliff, and that's yep. Lawrence Olivier's big breakout role in the yes. in the United States. Even though this movie takes place in England, it was filmed over here. Yes. And um, and he takes revenge against her for marrying another man, who's by played Mary. by David Niven. Oh, it's he's not, wonderful. David Niven is always a joy. Always a joy. So um, and then Merle Oberon is um, is Kathy, 
and uh, Geraldine, Fitzgerald. Geraldine Fitzgerald is the woman is the woman that uh, Isabel, right? Isabel, that Isabel, who is David's sister, the Laurence Olivier marries to get back at Kathy. Yes. So it's a whole. It's a story of like unrequited love, revenge, and just living in pain. Essentially, these characters just live obviously in pain based for so on long. the very famous Charlotte Bronte novel. Yep. Although just um, like the first half of it. Emily. Which is, which Emily is Bronte. Oh. Sorry, there are Bron- more than one Bronte. Not to be confused. Emily Bronte. Um, yes. Uh, it's great. I like this movie a lot. I think it's very moody. Very, very moody. Uh, kind of like a pre... This is... Uh, you can see the develop... I mean, this is not a film noir, but it right. has it has some elements that would be incorporated into mm-hmm. that movement in the 40s. It's really similar to watching, like, you know, to kind of compare it to more of, like, a modern-day film, mm-hmm. uh, Blue Valentine with Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. It's just, yeah. like, watching these people just absolutely destroy one another mm-hmm. when they would be better off just parting ways, but they can't because they're just so enveloped in this toxic relationship that they can't escape it, and it ultimately kills them, and they're trapped together in the afterlife. Yeah. You know? So, which is not exactly how the movie makes it look, because they want the, the endings a little bit more romantic. Yeah, they wanted to, but, but I'm like, all I see is these people just hated themselves for the 70 years they were alive. And but then it's they... kind of tacked on. I, as I understand it, <laughs> yeah. the ending was a little studio. Oh, course. absolutely it was. This is a William Wyler movie. No surprise that no it's surprise. decent, because yes, um, he's decent's the wrong word. No surprise it's good. Yes. Um, it's, yeah, uh, William Wyler is such a great director at getting performances out of his actors and this is a and a lot of his movies are very character they're character driven character driven yes um, and they're they just they just look like they're just handled so delicately and this movie definitely showcases that i mean the sets are wonderful the costumes are wonderful the acting's great the acting is great I, she also makes sense as a best actress nominee really she does yeah and you know this is kind of a stacked Best Actress year. She um, might have been nominated in a different year. I mean, like, she... Oh, she absolutely would have. I think across the board... I'm trying to say, I still think Greer Garson's performance in Goodbye, Mr. Chip is great. I'm just saying that time-wise... Category fraud. Yeah. 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 No, <laughs> she's delightful. It's, it's, you know, one of the... Yeah, she is one of the reasons why Goodbye, Mr. Chips is so good. But... Yeah. But, yes. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, and I will say, too, I think Geraldine Fitzgerald is... So good in this movie. I love her nomination. She is so tragic, and she's not in it a whole lot. You know, she really uh, is just in that second. You know, yeah. uh, it's the final quarter of the film, more so. But I love her in this movie. She's so good. Um, I think, uh, without a doubt, Laurence Olivier deserves a Best Actor nomination. He, oh man, he's first of all, he's just so sexy in this movie. God. It's ridiculous. I mean. He's about to have a good few years of he, being hot. And we get to watch him at least two more times because he's in two Best Picture winners in the next ten years. Uh, what a joy. Um, what a joy. He's phenomenal. And you understand, you know, this is really the beginning of his... He's going to have ten nominations. This is the first one. So, oh, yes. Um, he's wonderful. Such a good movie. Um, definitely warrants the Best Picture nomination. Yes. Uh, it warrants all the nominations it got. No, I think this is... I think top five. Is top five for sure. Yeah. This I, is... I, it might... <coughs> if you think of the Best Director nominations in the top five, the one I sub is I sub Wizard of Oz for Stage Church. And that's my... 100%. Yeah, my top five would be Wuthering Heights, Goodbye Mr. Chips, Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mine too. I'm okay. curious, what would be your pick for Best Picture? 
without Gone with the Wind? Um, the Wizard of Oz is obviously the endearing classic, <laughs> but know. but Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think this 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 year also belongs to Frank Capra, and I think it's you know without Gone with the Wind, I do think Mr. Smith kind of stands atop the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in a lot of categories too, you know. I just feel like it's, yeah. Oh, it just does the most. It's so good. That would be yeah my pick for the year as well. It what be. a year! What a year! Well, we just went through it with with you guys. We did. Look forward to hearing your opinions. I'm sure. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna come at you again next week, and we are gonna be talking about the winner. The winner. We will discuss Gone with the Wind next week with you guys. Um, (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. So we'll tune in then.